Mambo vipi? What's happening? My name is Aniko Owoko and I am a lover of art, culture and everything African. And here we grant you front row access to your favorite celebrities, creators, the biggest personalities and industry experts. Come with me. You're now a VIP. Welcome back to VIP Access Podcast with me, Aniko. Thank you so much for your company. I'm really excited yet again this week because I have an absolutely amazing show. I have two artists to present over to you and I'm going to start with Sage. She's a power vocalist, one of the most powerful vocalists in Nairobi. She's actually classically trained in music, adores Beyonce and actually borrows a lot from Beyonce. The other artist who I want to present to you on the podcast this week is Biko. Biko is a Kenyan musician who is based in Amsterdam, Netherlands. He came to Nairobi to attend a concert and I was able to get this amazing interview, just spotlighting his life as a musician abroad. He has a different life in fashion, in psychology. We will talk about that later. So now let's get into my interview with Sage. She's an established brand and a name. And if you're listening from around Africa or around the world, welcome to this beautiful individual artist who makes absolutely outstanding music from day one. This is Sage Chemutai. What's up, girl? Hi, Aniko. <laughs> it's so great to unite again. After years, like it's been a decade, actually. Yeah, it's almost been a decade. And we even didn't maybe even meet, but I've seen you everywhere, you know, performing. I do follow your music. I'm a staunch supporter and Aww. follower of Sage. So I know and there's a, like a new single collab and I love it for you. Thank you, my love. Thank How you. are you doing? I'm well. You know, I was talking about it just, you know, a few seconds ago saying, you know, you've been in the industry for a good number of years, I think yeah. since 2011 professionally. Yes. And very few artists who, you know, were out then are still active now. Oh, yeah, that's So yeah. what would you say, you know, has been your thing that kept you going? I think just the love of music. I think from a really young age, I knew I wanted to be a musician. Mm. So it's what I love. It's how I express myself. It's where I find I am my most authentic. So I think that's it. That's the big secret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And have you ever been told this? When I hear your vocal runs, it's just like Beyonce. Ah, yes. It could be very controversial to say such a thing, especially in the face of Beyonce fans. Yeah. But really, your runs, I don't know anyone who does runs like you do. It's Beyonce or Sage. <laughs> So um, I discovered Destiny's Child when I was in high school and like I was very obsessed with Beyonce. So that's how I learned how to run like vocally. You see? It's just like listening to her, going through it, going you through see? her songs. Nobody over even and over. told me about it, but every time I hear you sing, I'm like, but how can she do it that way? She's, she is my vocal mother. Wow, you are such a great learner of Beyonce then because I don't feel like, oh, you're trying to do it like her. It just has her own sage touch. Yeah. Initially, it did sound very much like Beyonce. <laughs> but like after years of just trying to also find my own voice, yeah. I tried to make it as close to my own as possible. Mm. Yeah, that's quite interesting to know that you actually learned this from Beyonce. Who else? Yeah. <laughs> And, and you also define your music as rhythmic soul. What do you mean by that? So we called it rhythmic soul, both me and my producer, Dili. 
because it's like they're different like musical elements. elements. I love classical music. I listen to a lot of classical music as a young girl. And then R&B, it's like a mix of R&B, Afro soul, neo soul, soul, like it's just a mix of stuff. Couldn't just call it like neo soul or something because it didn't really fit in those genres. Mm. So rhythmic soul just made sense to us because it has that groove, but it's mm. also very soulful music. Mm. And you're actually classically trained Classically trained pianist. Pianist. So I started attending the Kenya Conservatory of Music when I was nine years old. My parents really encouraged all us kids to learn the piano when we were kids. That's how I ended up learning the piano. Wow, you started early. Yeah. So you basically had this relationship with music for quite some time now. Yeah. That's quite interesting. Having been in the industry for this amount of years, you know, from 2011 till now, if you could look back to the sage, you know, I met when you were starting over and the sage now, what would you say, you know, has been the biggest transformational change in your life, in your career, in your approach, you know, to business, just generally Ooh, speaking? That's a lot. There's been such a huge change. Mm. Obviously, when you met me, I was new in the industry. I wasn't that new, but I was relatively new. Mm. By the time you met me, I had played in a couple of bands and I was better known for playing for Muthoni, the drama queen. I was yes. her keyboardist and her yes. backup vocalist. And 2011 was when I actually went solo. So just starting off, I sort of had it with like the live scene because of the experience with Muthoni. I was with her for three years. Mm. But from then until now, I was very naive when it came to copyright of my work, doing business as a musician, taking my business as a job. Because I think when you're young, you sort of see music as, yes, you love it. Mm. You want to be successful at it, but you really don't have the tools. And by that time, the one very few tools. No one was giving classes on copyright law. Nobody was educating people like online. I feel like now with the expansion of the online and social media spaces, people can share information so freely. Even if you're not looking for it, it finds you. Yes. You'll always see like an interesting discussion on Twitter spaces or whatever. So I think I've now learned how to handle the business because also during that time, music was not taken as a serious profession per se. It was like almost there, but not quite Mm. there. And I feel like over the years, we as musicians, we as artists have learned how to view ourselves as actual women and businessmen. And there's an increasing number of people now registering themselves, copywriting their work properly, like registering themselves as business LLCs, how we conduct ourselves, even like when we're called for shows has been very professional right now. Like I've seen a lot of people increasingly getting very professional, making sure there's invoices, making sure there's receipts, making sure there's rate cards. Like these are things that we didn't have. Someone just called you and they're like, hello, I want you to perform at this thing. Uh, how much will you charge me? And you're like, okay. I need 20,000, 20,000 shillings. And they're like, ah, you know, we don't have 20,000. Like it, it was some weird debate. Now it's yeah. just like, okay, send me your email. There's a rate card. Sometimes there's a form to fill. So it's been nice seeing that and being part of that music business growth in that mm-hmm. sense. I think one other thing was gaining confidence in myself as an artist. Because in the beginning, you know you have the talent and you're excited about it, but everybody wants to dictate which direction you should go, what mm-hmm. you should do. How you should sound. After very many trial and error situations, I've finally come to the conclusion that I actually, to some extent, know what I'm doing. Because mm-hmm. everybody wants to control you, 
But after experiencing so many things, you now have that knowledge to be able to trust in your own opinion when it comes to your, your music, how you perform it, how you create in studio releases and such. I mean, there's so much, there's so much, there's so much difference. But yeah, I think it's been mainly in the business growth and then there's self-awareness as well. In terms of the business growth, that would mean also there's like better paying opportunities. Yeah. So know, more events, more festivals. More and- events, more festivals. And then you also know how to sort of find ways to plug yourself into different spaces mm. as well. Because mm. sometimes you find solutions to the problem of where are the gigs you learn how to create your own shows. Mm. I think that's another thing, learning how to create your own shows and not just depending on other people to call you for shows. It's nice also knowing like I'm good at this. Nobody else is doing this particular thing. Mm. How can I then turn this into business? Yeah. Because I've ended up doing jingles for ads, doing callback tone for a company and going into advertising as well. So it's been nice to also expand as a musician. Yeah, like also expand your revenue streams. Yeah. That's amazing. So your debut EP, Expose Yourself, came in 2015. Yes. And then there was Jungle Trap that dropped 2020. And, you know, I read an interesting thing in your bio that, you know, you explained Jungle Trap or described it as you coming back and just you getting a new lease of life from a period that was rather depressing. So I wanted to find out whether this period was associated with covid you know, most of the conversations I've been having in, in this podcast is like also interviewing all brand new artists who all came out between like 2018 to 2019. And mm-hmm. it seems to be an ongoing kind of theme mm-hmm. that during COVID, everybody, you know, was so introspective. Everybody took time to be out or think about their lives or something. Some like my own day was like me. I had actually just started you know, looking back into myself just before COVID. So then the world joined me. So I also wanted to find out like mm-hmm. that dark space you talked about or wrote about how back. So know. my dark space was from like far, far back because mm-hmm. I have been open about talking about like my postpartum depression and like it really extended. I don't think people understand how long someone can be in a depressive state or how many times one can revisit that same depressive state. Like you can just be in for like six months and then out for a few and then back. Like it's really can be really difficult to like Mm. get out of a depressive state. So it was years of just feeling depressed and really trying to come out into my own again and Mm. write music again because it was really hard for me to write, to express myself. I felt really numb for many years. And I feel like 2018, 2019 was when I started feeling like, I sort of feel like myself again. I sort of feel like I can do this again. So I did the jungle trap. It was like every time I had studio, I told my producer, it's two love songs and a vent because the three songs were me venting and the two other songs were love songs. I said, it's two love songs and a vent. And I remember like we got done recording it October 2019 and I was so excited to drop it. I was like, oh my God, yes, I'm finally getting stuff out. Ooh. And then January comes and we're like getting ready. We're like mixing, mastering, doing stuff. And then COVID like hit in March. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, it's so funny because I felt like I'm finally doing this. I'm finally happy. I'm finally doing a thing and I'm back to me. And then I just felt like I was dragged back into the hole again. Of course. So even with the release of Jungle Trap, when I released it, I didn't do so much promo for it. I was just really exhausted. I felt so defeated. 
Because postpartum depression really makes you slow. Like, not even postpartum, but like being a new mom, mm. you have to slow down. Yes. Your life is not the same. So being a mom had forced me to slow down. And I'm not a slow down person. I'm a, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. I'm ready to do this. And all of a sudden, I slowed down. And now I'm finally getting back on it. And then I'm You're being forced, forced to slow, to slow down, down again. again. And I'm like, Logics. God, what is it? Yeah. So I just dropped Jungle Trap. I did very little promo for it. I remember feeling so bad because I had so many plans of things to do and mm. especially live performances. I felt so defeated. 2020, so I decided like, let me get into like the healthy thing. I was walking because I was going to go crazy staying in the house. So I had started doing 5KMs every morning. I'd wake up just to walk for 5KMs. Walk. Did that 2020, 2021. Things started slowly looking better mm. but i didn't want to see the studio mm. i was like i'm not going to studio nobody's seeing me at the studio thank you it's weird because during that time during covid when i was home i collaborated with a couple of international artists and it was just like a for fun thing stuff i was recording on my phone and sending to them like i'd record my vocals and send to them and they're like oh yeah yeah and then we plan i released it and they released and they're like oh wow they're so excited about this song but i was just like yeah Okay, good. <laughs> like, it was nice to work with them, but at the same time, it was, I felt empty because I felt like I wish I had the enthusiasm mm. about creating and like, you know, just being out there, being a, an artist again, being a musician and being proud of my work. Mm. I think that was the main thing, being proud of my work and being proud of what I'm putting out because I felt like the jungle trap was like, ah, here you go. Mm. So after that, I think that's when I sort of went more into like doing advertising because mm-hmm. there were no gigs. It was just by flukes that I got into advertising. I used to do advertising before, but like singing jingles, but like it was a one-off thing. Like once a year, someone will call me and be like, hi, we need you for this. But now I was doing it increasingly. So 2022 is when... I started writing again. The thing with what I'm in a depressive episode, it's really hard for me to express myself. It's really hard because all the things I write when I'm depressed just sounds bad. <laughs> it's like, oh God. Maybe it sounds bad to you. You should <laughs> no, be releasing it, it to us bad. and we can be the judges. Like it honestly just sounds like, mm. so 2022 actually started on a really good note because mm. that's when people had started getting back to like performance and stuff. I was doing more like corporate gigs and like, it was looking like, oh, wow, we are finally back. Thank you, Jesus. In 2021, I had given up. I was like, you want me to slow down? I will slow down. And I was like, just wait till things open because really nothing was happening. You you can't fight. You can't fight. Venues were closed. Yeah. So 2022, I ended up doing a couple of like really nice shows and it was such a monumental year for me because in September, me and Fee were part of an organization called Niado and we went to Italy to go and sing for the Pope. It was such a random thing. One, I felt like I was the most useless artist. I felt like nobody wants to listen to you anymore. Just shut up. 2020 and 2021, I felt so defeated. You could not tell me of the sage, come back. I was just like, nope. I'm tired, leave me alone. I'm going to go and answer some farm somewhere and live there. But yeah, we went to Italy and just that experience, I was just like... Wasn't that such a sign? You know, when you just feel like no one is seeing me, nobody cares. Then this huge opportunity comes just when you're not expecting. Out of nowhere, yeah. 
I think sometimes you need a change of space to reignite something in you again, mm. like to reignite your passion for something. Because I remember going and just being in a different space and watching other people do their music, watching other people like live their lives and just feeling like, wow, like I actually do want to be a musician. Mm. There are times when you want to quit something and it's the time to quit the thing. And then there are some times when you want to quit something because you feel like it's getting hard. Yeah. Or like you feel like you can't get over the mountain. Exactly. And I feel like it was just a reminder of why I'm doing it in the first place. Why are you doing this? This is how you express yourself. This is your love letter to the world. So when I came back into studio and I did a collab with... um, Jivu, there's some two guys called mm. Jivu. They're such amazing artists. The song we did with them was produced by Waidaka. Mm. And it was so much fun. And I was like, oh my God. And even just coming back and sharing the knowledge that I had gotten when I was in Italy mm. was really nice. To just be in that space again with with musicians. I think COVID also separated us from the people who inspire us as well. Yeah. Because it's coming back and seeing people who inspire. Like I'd missed Dili so much. And him playing for me tracks. I'm like, oh my God, this sounds so good. It was so nice to be in that space. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do something. Like I have some content. So I'm going to come next year and we're just going to do a project together. And yeah, so back to studio for me. Initially, I was really scared because like it's been a while. Nobody has seen me in the streets. And then all of a sudden I'm in the streets again. (laughs) It's almost like just being brand new. It's a little scary, you know, almost like when you're starting, starting. But I think the difference with this one is that I'm finally in a place where I am happy. It's come with my full chest and not like it's like a hobby or something. I now know who I am and I am proud of who I am. And I think what I love about my fans is that they've stood by me for so many years. Oh, Mm. my Lord. I'm so sorry for all your sufferings. (laughs) But your prayers were answered because the beginning of the year, so many people were on my case nagging me about going back to studio, releasing music. The last song you released was this one. The last song you released... Because some people still think the last song I released was Dumbala. So you can imagine now the pressure those people are giving me. They're like, the last song you released was in 2013. It was 10 years ago. Just like, I'm in studio. Something is happening. Just relax. Yeah, I hope... People are enjoying it. That's the thing about projects. Mm. Like for so long, I was so scared of making more projects after Expose Yourself because I love that album so much. And I felt like that was my best work. I can't top that work. And the pressure you give yourself makes you now sort of stop giving people the authentic version of you because Mm. you're scared that you've evolved and maybe people are not evolving with you. Obviously, they get a different version of you every album. It's true with every artist. No artist has given you the same version of them yeah. every album. If they did, they would be so boring. But yeah, I think I'm in a season of this is me. I'm happy to be me. And if you're accepting me as me, great. If you're not, why? <laughs> yeah. Putting myself out there, being vulnerable again. Mm. Something that was so hard for me to do these past like 10 years. Mm. So if someone would ask you who is Sage, how would you introduce yourself as an individual, as an artist, as a brand? Oh, okay. I'm originally Barbara. (laughs) See, I didn't even know that. I love it. Originally Barbara. Barbara Hey, Babs. (laughs) Not Babs. That's a really funny name. Barbara is very, like, geeky. She's into intellectual stuff. She likes books. She likes studying stuff. 
Barbara is more into classical music. Barbara is the pianist. She's the one who likes discovering things and just knowing the world in and out. But Chamutai Sage is a person who believes in a better world. Like, I know it sounds very cliche, but like Chamutai Sage believes in a better world. She believes in giving people hope. I think that's one of the biggest things for me is I love to feel like I can give people hope in something being better because depression is basically you feeling like it's the end of the road is done you're done nothing can get better from here and I think just having about even a like tiny little bit of hope can change someone's worldview it can really push someone to do things that they didn't think are possible mm. so Chamutai said is a creative she is an explorer I'm not trying to be self-absorbed, but like she's a visionary. I like to think of myself as a visionary because sometimes I like taking risks, especially where people won't go and I don't care. And I'm just like, let's see if it backfires. Cool. If not, thank God. Yeah. But yeah, she's a visionary. She's more and more becoming an educator as well. I love to share my knowledge, especially with upcoming artists. She is a, a woman. Yeah. A woman. And a mother. And a mom. Yeah, that's nice. I love it. I love this. Ush and a storyteller. And a storyteller. A storyteller. At the core. At the core of everything. Yeah. Is a story being told. Yeah. So just so you know, like for the Chemutai Sage fans, like we never felt like now we didn't like you. So me are speaking for the fans because I'm a fan, <laughs> you know. And I was following like those collaborations with the international artists. Oh, I was wow. literally going like to Apple Music or Spotify or whatever, and I just searched Sage because I'm like, Sijamona, <laughs> is there a song out? So sometimes you find like there's a collab, Najua. Then yeah. there was a Jungle Trap, or so impressed by it. But then you're also the kind of artist like who is not usual. You know, Sage comes once in a lifetime. Oh. And one thing I feel like we haven't even spoke about properly is the way you fuse different sounds. Like you take Afro pop, you take R&B, you take soul, you know, you fuse it with jazzy elements, classical music. Sometimes when you hear the song, like it's different kind of soul elements coming from different kind of beats and even how you use your vocals as an instrument and for me I find that so so unique and also I feel it gives you an edge because sometimes when I listen to a Sage song I am so proud if Jay-Z bumps into this song or Kanye West or whoever you know Mm. they wouldn't be able to place like where she's from they'll probably think like she's a 10-time Grammy Award-winning artist, and they'll probably want to have you collab with them in an album. And it's not everyone who would have that ability to sound global. And you have that. So I think, for me, that's super unique. And, you you. know, the little moments here and there, you give us a song or an album or an EP, like, for me, I truly appreciate. And even if you you are missing for a couple of years, you know, we still have really great music from you. I always go back even to your debut EP, (laughs) and I'm like, eh, Clearly, this was a pop. <laughs> you know, that's a great thing, like, with dope artists. You know, it doesn't matter whether the record came in 2015, Ama, yeah, 2022. Like, yeah. all of them sound a certain quality. And I think you're one artist who's always maintained that quality. And I really Thank appreciate you. you for that. I guess anybody listening, you know, they can go listen to your music. They'll be shocked. They'll be like, I've been sleeping on this artist. <laughs> So receive your flowers. Thank you. Thank so you for the sweet. new records. And I hope more music comes in the coming years. Definitely. Something like COVID doesn't happen again. <laughs> if it happens, I'm ready. Yes. I, think, I think we just needed that one experience yes. to be like, 
if anything like this happens again, like yes. what could I have done better? Yeah. But now we know. Yeah. We, we, we needed know. to go through it. We went through it. Yeah. And thank God we're on the other side. Yeah. You mentioned like you're keen to give knowledge to artists in the industry, especially those who are starting, you know, from your own experience, from, yeah. you know, traveling, from working with various artists and producers. So I'm curious what kind of advice or lessons Mm-hmm. Would you give to anyone listening? They don't have particularly to be from Kenya, but you are just starting out and you're yeah. trying to have longevity. What kind of advice would you give to any artist, especially in Africa, listening? Primarily and most importantly, authenticity sells over everything. People want a connection. I think a lot of us get lost in all the, this is the hype, this is whatever. And sometimes your authentic could even like, be at the same time as the hype and it's what the hype is. Yes. But it's really important to be your authentic self. And by authentic self, I don't mean that you have to sound different from everybody else because there's nothing new under the sun. But you have to be honest in the way you present yourself. You cannot come with a facade and try and be somebody else or try and be photocopy other things because people get those vibes and vibes don't lie. So... People want a connection. And as long as you can connect to people through your honest experience, it's easier for you to perambulate these artists' streets. And then the second is know your rights when it comes to your music, when it comes to songwriting, when it comes to collaborations. Know your rights. Always have paperwork. And then number three is be consistent. And by consistent doesn't mean releasing a song every week. But be consistent in showing up. It takes a lot. Being someone who's self-employed and someone who doesn't have a boss to answer to, it takes a lot. And then things like creative, which comes with a feeling, which comes with a, I have to be in the mood to write. Just to be consistent in showing up as an artist. Because when you take yourself seriously, people do take you seriously out there. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sage. Thank you, Aniko. Well, we have to say something to your fans who are listening oh. or those who are just <laughs> about to become new fans. Yes. To my dear, dear Sage fans, I love you. I really appreciate you for just listening, vibing with me, connecting with me. There are no better people that I would have gone on this ride with. And I cannot wait to make more magic, to connect with you at live shows, to invite you to other things apart from live shows to create more and involve you in the creation. But thank you. This is my heartfelt thank you for sticking with me all these years. For those who are new, you are welcome. There's only love here. Only love. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you on behalf of the fans. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Sage Chemutai, an amazing singer, songwriter, and performer from Nairobi, Kenya. Make sure you stream her music. Make sure you support her work. Now I want to introduce Biko O2O, but in this case scenario, I want to say Biko Music because Biko O2O is his design label based in Amsterdam. This is a personal friend of mine and such an amazing artist who creates music together with his collective of musicians called I&I Movement. If you're conversant with the electronic and eclectic scene of music in Amsterdam, you might have heard of I&I Movement. They have a record label. We're talking about this in this interview. Let's get straight into it. Welcome to VIP Access. I'm super excited to have you here. And I'm also very happy to be hosting an international man. He is a fashion designer. He's a musician. 
He's also a psychologist and a man who works between Kenya and the Netherlands. Welcome, Steve Biko. With many thanks, I say <laughs> I feel so welcome at, at home. As in, this is where I want to be right now. Wait, that voice. This voice, the voice is giving, it's giving, it's giving radio. And it's not a surprise that you were actually a radio presenter right here in Kenya. I think a lot of you know this voice. Could you take me back to that time when you were on radio? I think when we actually met, you were at Capitol for a short while. Yeah. But you also worked at Uptown Radio when Uptown Radio was Uptown Radio. OMG. <laughs> okay. Begin from the highest part of the hill. That was Uptown Radio. Yeah. When like the whole afternoon on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the whole of Nairobi was jamming to Uptown Radio on public transport in the ghetto. Up downtown, in La Vie, it was like we were holding the city down the dancehall vibes. And Upton Radio was a homeboy's baby. It was a homeboy's and baby. And a Jimani baby. Two very accurate <laughs> things you just said. Jimani was holding Upton Radio on his lap and homeboys was providing the food. You know, homeboys were actually the, the ones that were injecting the necessary money mm. <laughs> to keep this baby alive. Yeah. And we were behind the mic telling people what they needed to hear. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Steve Biko, I would describe you as a man about town. Yeah. You know, you are very well versed with everything happening around the world, everything happening in Africa. Yeah. You love style, you love fashion. Yeah. You're a designer of Biko O2O, which is yes. a fashion brand based in Amsterdam, but also operating in Nairobi. You know, we've been friends for a long time. We met through Saudi Soul, you know, you ended up actually getting married to Saudi Soul's first manager. So we've always been family. And it's just such a pleasure to see how you wear a lot of hats. Could you explain to me all the different things that you do and how you manage to find time for each one of your passions? I left Kenya as a fashion designer, as a radio presenter, you know, and I was looking for a way to connect my worlds. When I moved to Amsterdam, the first thing I had to do is I had to learn the language Dutch. And that was really, really tough. And suddenly a new world opened, you know, and I was like, OK, now that I speak Dutch, what will I do with this language? How will I connect to these people? Mm. And the idea of psychology hit me. I was like, oh, this is the glue behind everything and everything and everything. There's a psychology of walking, psychology of flying, psychology of cooking, psychology of fashion, psychology of radio, you know. And as a radio presenter, radio is a theater of the mind. I was always interested in creeping into people's minds and actually speaking to them in a way that they understand. And radio is a personal thing. You listen to it alone. Most people have radio in the shamba, in the bedroom, in the bathroom while dressing, in the car, personal, all cozy. It was me and them. When it comes to therapy as a psychologist, it's the same, same thing. I sit with people at the table. I creep into their minds and we figure out how to make their world what they want it to be. So the psychology for me was the glue to be able to join fashion and music and my new social world, this new language, and have a profession that actually made sense in the Netherlands. Wow. What about being an African designer in Amsterdam? You know, what's that like? Because from where I sit, you know, in Kenya and Africa, there's this excitement that everyone is looking to wear African, listen to African music. So, you know, for you as an African, you know, living in Europe, you're a fashion designer and your clothes and brand is very distinctively African. Your music the same, even though you do collaborate with European artists. So what would you say is your experience operating in Europe, but operating African arts? 
My growing up was America and Europe was the coolest place to be. As a young man, I wore baggy jeans, I bought fugu t-shirts, I had like bling bling. I looked like Cisco. When I worked at Baraka <laughs> FM and I went to Pulse FM, we were doing a launch and I was on a camel walking through the whole city of Mombasa and I had fans. I looked like Cisco. I had my hair silver, I had the one way. Being cool was being American or British or something else not African. African. Oh my God, so true. And now the tables are turned. I go to festivals where like young, white, affluent Europeans are listening to Afro music with their souls. They open their souls to that stuff. And they're hungry for African style, for the African sound, the African spirit. It's now what is the new cool. So to me, it's like, what a time to have moved and what an experience to have. And what a confrontation with my, I'd say, confusion or brainwashing, to be honest. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. How did I not think Africa was not cool? Who the hell told me <laughs> that being yelly yelly is not cool? Right now, I cherish my Africanness to the core. So being an African designer in Europe is a big advantage. When it comes to selling, of course, you push to a corner because when they call you African designer, of course, you belong to a niche, you mm. know? I see myself as an international designer. My roots are African. My conversation, my gap is African. When I open my mouth, when I get up and look at you, it's African, okay? But I live in Europe and I design from Europe and I speak a European language. I'm a European citizen. Yeah. So let's just say I don't see the world as an African, but I live in the world as an African. That is very powerful. Earlier on this year, I had the chance to come to Amsterdam to attend your very first major fashion show yes. where you presented a new collection, where you had a host of models, some international models, you know, walking on the runway. There's, yeah. you know, a specific model who I've been following from South Africa who was at your fashion show. There was yeah. also a music showcase yeah. where you actually presented songs from your latest EP with your collaborators, I&I Movement. Yeah. Could you just tell me about this huge thing that has happened to you this year where you have found a way to match the fashion and music and this wonderful event that you put together with your family, with your partner, with your collaborators. Yeah. There's a huge team that, you know, made this happen. And of course, there's a lot of work that led to that day. It was not yeah. just that day. So yeah. take me through the merging of these two different acts that you're very passionate in and how this showcase went. The magic happened on my birthday. It was December 13th. I asked this rock and roll band to perform and we're in a small space and they burnt down the roof. And among my circle of friends, there's an international stylist called Anouk van Kinsfer, who I've been working with from the beginning, who was interested in doing the second collection. And I met a theater director who does work at the NDSM Bear. His name is Sander Strat. And um, he, he does door open space, you know? And when I mentioned that I want to do the second collection, it was like, I mean, I want to do it. Let's combine theater with fashion and music and give these people an experience. So that was a part of the megalomaniac idea of doing this event in this huge place. Because I needed models, I needed money, I needed to finish the clothes. So, so much work International, international lights. Tell me about it. Yeah, it felt like I was at Paris Fashion Week. I've never been to Paris Fashion Week, but I was in Amsterdam, but I was like, this is compliment. like... <laughs> I have a big bag here that I used to call it compliment, so I'm putting that one right in. It's Boxing Day. I'm going to open it later. That's when you open presents. Oh, Don't get God. this wrong. I mean, this level of a collaboration, I'd never experienced before, you know? But I think it was time and I was ripe. And living in the Netherlands, somehow I felt like the Netherlands kind of opened up and took me in and accepted me as part of them by working with me and bringing these things to that level. And my partner, who is a very, very critical, very structured, very organized 
person. I'm chaotic. I design in chaos. I create music in chaos. I love chaos. I play music all the time. And I'm always active. And I do different things at different times. Sometimes I combine three things. And she's like, what the hell is going on? You know, <laughs> she was part of it. So for her to like hone herself into this cocoon mm. of an explosion of creativity mm. was a magic of our energy in a very mm. special way. Your partner is Ninka Nauta. And Ninka Nauta, for those in the industry, if you remember, she's the lady and the individual who discovered Sauti Soul. You know, she discovered me, actually, my very first computer that I did, my very first, like, journalistic work I got from Ninka. She also, uh, together with her team at Peña Africa, Imekubaliwa, you know, Wawesh, Lisa, all those cool people, they set up some of the dopest concerts ever here in Kenya. All of Sauti Soul's first concerts were produced by Ninka and her team. So the launch of Mwanzo, the launch of Soul Philosophia. And I remember during the launch of Soul Philosophia at Alliance Francaise, I've never seen such a spectacle. People were jumping the walls of Alliance Francaise. I've never seen that ever, ever again. You know, I was collecting money, I remember. I was the money guy. Yeah. Yes, and and it was guys, a cash situation. And you guys had a box. I had a big bag yes. of money and I was hiding somewhere in a corner, sweating, yes, like, yes, how am yes, I going to get yes, out of here? Yes. And yeah. I had to kind of count it. Yeah. And that's the first time I thought, like, oh my God, these guys have like world class potential. Right. And right. And all that compliments for Ninka, I'm collecting them, those flowers I have. I put them right here because you right. see so many things about Yeah. Her. So when we talk about like 20 years of Saudi soul, we can't miss to talk about no, Ninka. No, and no, when you no, talk no, about no. the excellence in the production of your show, we also can't forget to talk about Ninka and, you know, correlate about the fine, other work fine, that fine, she's fine, done. Fine. You're right. I had a powerful collaborator. But I didn't have one powerful collaborator. I had many powerful collaborators. Yeah. The Open Space there, it's a fantastic place. Yeah. And Open Space is international. All the models who are working like were people who have been fashion for a while. And my uh, daughter also graced the stage. So for yes. me, it was like a magical moment. And she performed. She was dancing. That was so cool. I ran short of words, but I don't describe this show. But um, I think I should tell them that it was about masculinity. And masculinity is about the man in all of us and our fathers and the man in us and how we make peace or war with that man, you know, to make mm. this world a better place. So the whole collection, the whole performance, the whole thing, the whole statement was about masculinity. Like, are you at peace with the man in you? Are you at peace with your father? Are you at peace with the father of your father? Are you a father who's at peace with themselves and what's happening, you mm. know? And it's inside out, outside in. So you can dress it, you live it, you feel it, you think it, you give it cross to your child, you know, that was what masculinity was all about. And in 2025, we have protagonism. We're going to do it in the biggest forest in Amsterdam. One of our biggest collaborators is the director of Amsterdam Bush Theater, called it Amsterdam Post Theater. He's already kind of like hands and legs in. So we're working out how to kind of put the sets together and tell mm. this protagonism story in 2025. And it's about fighting for something that means something to you. Mm. You know, we as Africans know about fighting. Right now, there are many wars in this world, man. Yeah. Let's not get political, even though fashion is a political thing. Mm. So 2025, we'll be kind of looking at Pandora's box when it comes to protagonism. Like, what are you fighting for? Okay. So just before we wrap up, I want to ask you to talk about your music. Yeah. The EPs that yeah. have come out, yeah. those that are in collab and, you know, just the music side and your collab with INI Movement from Amsterdam. INI Movement is a wonderful label. It consists of people like Rebier. It consists of people like Pitch Controller, Mitch, all the guys from Gallo Street, 
you know, that are major jazz band. They blow you away. And they came together and came up with this label to be able to create music underneath their daily mainstream lives. Mm-hmm. It's not a massive label. It's an international, but Amsterdam-based has almost a niche vibe as artists like Nangiti, for example, Lima Music, and they're fantastic artists. If you go on Spotify and type in I and I, actually the best place to go is SoundCloud. Type in I and I movement. I and I is like letter I, letter N, letter I, and then movement. And you find this repertoire of music that they have. It's jazzy, it's funky, it's grounded, it's grown up. And they're the guys I work with. It came together because I was kind of looking for something else to do outside the house other than be a father and be a fashion designer and be a therapist. And making music is different because this audio stimulation that takes you out of your regular life and elevates you to, to something else different, you mm. know? And I was doing it for the love of it. But as we went along, we kept making stuff and we made 428 at the beginning of our union. Mm. I think that was maybe like six, seven years ago, 428 yeah. was so made. So 428 is the first EP. Yes. The second EP is Mantra, which was second released in The second EP is Mantra, which is coming out. Yeah. There's only one single out. Uh, catch a so Fire. Yeah. Catch a Fire. And uh, Catch a Fire is about catching your fire and getting yourself up there on the most difficult moments, you know. In Amsterdam, we have winters. Winters get dark. Yeah, yeah. You get lonely. Nothing yeah. is happening. There's no sunshine. So you have to make your own fire from within. Of course. So Catch a Fire is exactly about how to make your own fire from within, mm. despite how difficult life can be. And Mantra is an entire EP is about love. There's also a collaboration with Pitch Controller Mitch, Ribeiro is in it, Lima is definitely in it, Jubisa Nairobi is definitely in it, you know, like all the INI guys I work with. And there's a track uh, with Gallows Feet as well that I've done that is so amazing. Like me as a boss group made the track, it's blown away. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But the latest EP mantra, which is coming out within a couple of weeks from now, is about love. Actually, because today is Boxing Day, mantra should be already actually in the media platforms. If it's not, they should just follow you and see what's going to be new. Biko Oduo on Instagram, Steve Biko K on Spotify, SteveBiko.K, and INI Movement on SoundCloud. Once you get to those places, we'll find each other and find the music and just catch the vibe. I guess that's where we are going to end the show today. Catch a vibe. And by the way, we have a special gift for you. It's Boxing Day. <gasps> we couldn't just do this interview and leave you like this. Gift we have for a me. longer version. Yeah, I'm straight. There's a longer version of this interview on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Boomplay, or wherever you find your podcast. So we know you're enjoying this conversation. So go back to the Spotify and the whatever you find your podcast and listen to the full conversation. Thank you so much, Steve Biko, Biko 020 for coming to my podcast, VIP Access, for coming to Kenya, your home. Thank you, and thank you, welcome. thank you, thank you. I want to give you a compliment that will stay with you for the rest of your existence on this planet. You are changing the destiny of music in this part of the world. You're creating a, a solid foundation for artists like us and many others to, to have a reference point so that people who are coming after us can have something to look up to. We never had this. We never had this. Radio stations did stuff, the international journalism, artists did the things on their own, but there was no one coherent place where you could go and actually find a steady story. You're the steady story. You're the backbone of this. So thank you for changing the future of music in Africa. Thank you. Wow, what a compliment. From the bottom of my heart. So thank you so much, Biko and Sage. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's edition of VIP access. It's always a pleasure to have your company. It's always a pleasure for me to talk to different artists from different backgrounds, to exchange ideas, to share our tips and tricks. 
as to how we made it in this industry. I'm going to be back next week again with another group of amazing artists. Remember, VIP Access is your home to amazing music and also discussion on culture, arts, and the creative sector at large. Peace out.